welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer. Jerry! Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's good to be back. Alive and well, we see, sir. Yeah. Hey, by the way, uh, momentarily, we're going to hear Jerry's thought of the week. We love those. We look forward to those. Uh, we've got Dylan uh, Walsh back. He is amazing. So please stick around for that. Uh, he's from Nashville, but grew up in Dublin and, uh, and you know, he's very, very Irish. And God, his songwriting is so skillful. So uh, it's a treat that you'll enjoy. Uh Megan always closes the show with this pitch. Uh, we love it about, hey, uh, you know, subscribe, write a comment, do that on all of our social media. So we're on Twitter and uh, Facebook and Instagram. And we do read comments people have made. Here's one. This is from Julie. She says, I love this podcast. Jerry's inside about our current political situations makes it makes things a bit more clear. The banter between Jerry, Gene, and Megan is so entertaining. I laugh all the time. And the musical talent on these podcasts are the very best. That's Julie. And then so Julie wrote that comment. And then a whole bunch of people, you know, like on Facebook, click like. And I go and check all those. And I did notice that a number of them had the last name of Galvin. I'm just yeah. noting that. <laughs> uh, so I did um, want to ask something of uh, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I was a, up here. Well, first, I was I, up here. And then the final mm-hmm. line of Gene's opening talk just brought me to right, conversation. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, right, I was right, going, right, oh, yeah. man. Man. Okay. So what so, did you want uh, to ask me, Gene? I for money, tried, Jerry, gonna... for money is what he said. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that. Other than that. Megan, I have uh I love being the senior executive, lifetime senior executive producer of Jerry Springer Podcast, because frankly it's the only it's the only gig I have. But uh Megan, I am, and I don't know if I ever told you this, a certified life coach, and I have been life coaching Jerry Christ. for some years now. <laughs> And I nice have job. been, and Jerry, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you'll corroborate this. I have brought before you living examples of people who are doing extraordinary things. I introduced you to Jerome Pelette, who is a French-Canadian guy who is riding his bike, and he's still on this journey. It's been a few years that taken in because he stops and merges with the local community and then volunteered, for example, during a hurricane in Texas, then moved on. He's now in Chile. He started in Canada. He's on his way to the tip of Argentina riding a bicycle. I met him on a bike ride in Ohio. And so that's Jerome. Then you remember, Jerry, in 2018, you met Bryce Carlson. A young teacher, coincidentally, yep. from Cincinnati, Ohio, who was rowing a boat across the North Atlantic, 2,000 miles. He broke the world record for rowing solo, unsupported, nobody with him. 
he's out there in a rowboat. You know, he's facing backwards and just pulling on these oars. Did it for 2,000 miles, broke the world record, did it in 38 days. Now, and we had him on the air in the middle of the North Atlantic on a sat phone. Do you remember that? Yep. It was really cool. And then we had him in the folks school coffee parlor where he came in and talked about the trip. It was amazing. So now I've learned about Cyril Deromou, who is a Frenchman who has moved to uh, the United States, lives out in San Francisco, specifically a place called Larkspur, California in Marin County. He is in a kayak, a kayak, a 22 foot long kayak, about the size of a sea kayak. That's actually pretty small. He's facing forward because, you know, kayakers have a, a, a paddle that is one stick and on either end yeah. is a paddle. And then they kind of dig into the water alternately to keep going in a straight line. He is paddling 2,400 miles from California to Hawaii. He left yesterday, day before yesterday. He went under the Golden Gate Bridge, out past Osolito. He's now out in the Pacific Ocean working his way towards Hawaii. I, because of my unique skills as a producer, am making contact with him. <laughs> I am, as we say, tracking him. No, I'm not stalking him. I'm, I'm tracking trying. him. <laughs> so I'm, I even left a message today with a woman I think is his girlfriend because he, he didn't respond to me. I sent him an email actually. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine that. So we got this guy leaving voicemails. Don't, yeah, don't count. Don't count. Yeah, yeah, guys. So I sent him an email and I explained, you know, Jerry Springer podcast and blah, blah. I gave him your full backstory, which he didn't he not know all that. Uh, and beyond beyond the crazy TV show, but I gave him the whole story. And then I contacted this woman who I picked up out of a news article out on the West Coast. She has kind of a common name. And I called this woman and she says, and she's a realtor in California. And she says, uh, I'm not that woman, but this is a hell of a story. <laughs> this guy's doing what? And so then I found the real woman. I'm not going to give her name out. And I left her a message. So I know he's carrying a satellite phone and I'm begging him from somewhere in the future weeks because he's going to be out there, he thinks, for 60 to 70 days. Wow. It'll take him to do this. He's carrying all his food, a lot of dehydrated food and, you know, some nutrition bars. He's got a thing that converts seawater into potable water. He's got a little backpack stove in the back of the kayak because I watched it. I'm now a Facebook friend. And here's what I want to do. And, and Megan and others who use Facebook, and I really do. This is serious. I'm going to give you the spelling of his name. You can go on Facebook and you can instantly follow him. Send him a friend request. He'll take it. And it's Cyril, C-Y-R-I-L. And his last name is spelled D-E-R-R-E-U-M. A-U-X, D-E-R-R-E-U-M-A-U-X. And it's called, it's his first and last name followed by the word adventure. It is a fascinating story in my opinion, and I'd love to have him on because Jerry, if I put enough of these people in front of you, maybe you'll, no, I don't know, get on your jet no. ski. You got a jet ski. Take that to Hawaii, <laughs> Florida. 
or, or somewhere to the Suez Canal, Panama uh, Canal. I, I would, I would, um, I would take it uh, to Hawaii uh, because there are ships that leave from the coast of Florida, and yeah, uh, put I could ship. put it on the ship, and it'll take it there. <laughs> and they'll you. call me when I it arrives. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see if we can get uh, Cyril on. Uh, yeah, that's stay that, tuned. Actually, that's actually, pretty that's very cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool. To, it was so cool. And Megan, I can't remember if you were with us because it was a period when Maria Corelli was in yeah. the seat you were in and you were before her and we're ecstatic that you're back, by the way. We love you, Megan. You were, and it may have been, were you there when uh, Bryce Carlson was with no, us? No, I, I spoke with him. I was there when we had him on the phone, but I never got a chance to meet him. Okay, so... So that thing on the phone, though, and that's what I want to do with Cyril. I And we've had a couple calls with Jerome Palette as well as he's traveled down now deep into South America. But it just would be interesting to ask him. I know Bryce Carlson multiple times in big seas, his rowboat turned upside down. By the way, the kayak and the rowboat, when I look at video of them, are kind of similar, except one's facing frontwards, the other you row backwards. But behind, let's take the kayaker, Cyril, as he is kayaking, he leans up against a, a hatch, it's called, a door that's uh, vertical. And it, as he opens that hatch, he can then slide back into an enclosure that's about the size of a one-person backpacking tent. And it's all enclosed with carbon fiber material. So in heavy seas, he can go in, get inside, close the hatch. It's watertight. He's got some air vents and he can just sort of, you know, hunker down. And, and Bryce Carlson had this happen multiple times. He told us where the boat rolled in heavy seas and he's got his head now on the ceiling. And but they're built with ballast weighted on the bottom that they'll self right. So you can be upside down, and if you just bear with it, it'll roll back over and go back upright. Yeah. But my God, the courage it would take yeah. to do that. It's beyond what I can fathom. Gene, yeah, I, th yeah. I think that you, um, don't you have ties with that gentleman, the um, Ask the Lifeguard? Wouldn't he be helpful in this situation? <laughs> now, see, Megan, that is, uh, Megan, I'm going to tell you something. That's creative that is thinking. a wonderful idea. <laughs> I hate you because you're trying to steal my job, and I know it. Yeah. I know Megan just what we've got a minute here Megan that's a great idea yeah Megan have you produced before it's funny <laughs> shut up <Jerry>. yeah <laughs> uh, send you my resume well, send, well, yeah, yeah why send don't you resume. come and see me after the uh oh my god no it's a great idea we'll have to get uh Dr. Greg Schran a doctor of medieval literature and he <laughs> never could get it. he never could get a job so he's yeah. been a lifeguard his entire life and travels around the world from lifeguard job, lifeguard job. Yeah. Uh, I will make contact with Dr. Shran yeah. and we'll have him on and we will ask him <laughs> what such a, I'll tell you what, because I don't think Cyril's going to respond to it. We'll get Dr. Shran. <laughs> Duh. Put Shran in a pool with a kayak for about a week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, and he is, he is a kayak. Well, there you Dr. go. Dr. Shran yep. is a kayak. So there you go. Kayaker, so. I think so. We got this covered. We go. Hey, uh, one more thing. And Jerry, then we want to ask you uh, to 
give us a thought that you uh, have worked up for the week. We love those. But I wanted to uh, tell you guys something real fast. There was a uh, the opening of a new soccer field. Megan, you live in the Cincinnati area, as I do. We both live in North Kentucky, but it's all greater Cincinnati. So uh, we now have a major league soccer franchise, had it for a couple of years. They've been playing the games at the University of Cincinnati football stadium. But in the meantime, they've been building. And here's the point I want to make. MLS, it's called, Major League Soccer, is hell-bent. And I think this is largely a good thing on locating all of their soccer pitches. And we've got Dylan Walsh on with us. And he's on with us right now on a Zoom call. And I'm going to drag you into this too, Dylan, because you grew up on football, as they call it in Ireland. Uh, we, as you know, Dylan, because you live in America now, we have American football. We call it soccer, but we're talking European, South and Central South American uh, football. So MLS, MLS, Nashville just got a team, right, Dylan, is hell bent on building these pitches, these stadiums in urban neighborhoods, much like they are in England and yep. Ireland and other places, because it's a working man and woman sport. Correct, Dylan? And you go hang out in pubs. There's a uh, pub across the street from the new TQL Stadium, Total Quality Logistics. Logistics uh, in Cincinnati is the corporate sponsor for the stadium. So it's called TQL Stadium. And they brought it into a neighborhood in Cincinnati called the West End, very uh, poor and working class neighborhood historically, at least in the last 50 years. And they gobbled up some land, paid everybody off, and built this wonderful, what, 25,000-plus person stadium. I went to my first game a week ago, and it was amazing, amazingly cool. Some friends of my son's have a home that is, you know, classic uh, Boston, urban, uh, old building converted into some condos. We tailgated out in his parking lot. Then we walked down to the stadium, you know, walked in. Uh, it was just amazing. And then, bam, there it was. Emma, uh, uh, FC Cincinnati lost one to nothing to the top team in their division. So they actually played decently. But here's the question. Should America be going into these neighborhoods like the one in Cincinnati. And Dylan, you can tell us what went on in Nashville if they have built the stadium there. And they go into these neighborhoods and they buy up this land because here come the rich people. And the owners of the TQL, of the yeah. franchise, names Jerry you would recognize from the past, come in, they buy up land, we call it in America, gentrification. They force it, they pay off everybody. They push people out. And there was a lot of complaining when the stadium was being built that I am being driven from this neighborhood. And then here's the double whammy. When they're done, the housing prices around that stadium with all of this ancillary development of pubs, restaurants, all the stuff that pops up, because it does drive economics, does it not? And now nobody can afford these houses. The people who used to live there, the so-called affordable housing, can't happen. So Jerry Springer, you're a former mayor. Dylan, before we draw Jerry into this, 
what's going on in Nashville? Are you seeing anything like this happen? Yeah, but um, I haven't really zoned in on the soccer aspect of it. But, you know, Nashville, I've lived in a few different cities and Nashville, I've seen gentrification at its fastest in this city. Like I've never seen gentrification happen so fast. Like I've seen it happen in Nashville. You know, if you leave town for a couple of days, you come back, there's a, a new a new structure at the end of your road. You know, it's it's crazy, wow. crazy. And wow. all the historical, uh, you know, the Ryman or downtown Broadway, yeah. they're being dwarfed. You, you, you can't even see them anymore. They used to be yeah. landmarks, you know. And, and people there, Dylan, uh, and this is Dylan Walsh, who is our musical uh, performer. We're going to draw him back in to do some music in a few minutes. But uh, Dylan uh, and people are bitching about it in Nashville. Some people are bitching. Others probably are very happy. That'd be correct. Yeah. You know, anybody who's been here a long time most definitely feels displaced, you know. But uh, it's a kind of okay. a transient kind of city where people come and go. So it does kind of morph fairly quickly and people adapt but i've seen a lot of people who moved in moved here since 216 since i've been here who've already left because you know life has changed so much wow. here but it's interesting wow. that you also talk about soccer that was my first kind of kick to put it literally you know yeah right? i used to yeah. in ireland most soccer players or football players we call them are were amateur so you have to kind of go abroad to get paid and in my teens i've done some trials over in the uk and now over here in in, uh, in the States, you know, I used to meet a lot of musicians, but now I actually meet a lot of football people who are here, like to train the kids. Interesting. And, and you had some tryouts yourself in England? Yeah, Is that what you said? Yeah, up in Liverpool, uh, Stoke and Trent and France at one point too. What, what position do you play or did you play? We called it left back, which is many, many jokes about yeah. that position, you know, left back in the dressing room, but uh, left yeah. full back. I by the way, my my uh, grandson Michael is left back. That's a position he plays in, in his uh, traveling soccer team. Jerry, uh, serious question to you. You know the dilemma here, do you not, as a former mayor? You want your city, Jerry, do you not, to be a cool-ass place? And you want to have a number of entertainment zones, do you not? So I bet you sitting there as a former mayor, and you know the West End well, and all of a sudden you hear that the West End of Cincinnati is red hot with activity. You would love that as a mayor, would you not? And yet at the same time, you're a wonderful progressive with a big heart. You know both sides of this dilemma. Yeah, I mean... The easy answer is there has to be a balance. So the the overall community needs some of these developments, but they have to be dispersed. And that comes through zoning and that comes through planning so that not everything is put into a neighborhood where people are of uh, low income or people are African-American. It seems that the development invariably happens in the poorest neighborhoods. Now, I understand the economics of that because land is cheapest there for investors to start building and developing there. But that's where the city can come in with some public funds as well. So if it's something that's really going to benefit the whole community, then we have to make other areas available for it as well, even if it requires some government help, so that it's not everything that wealthy people like is going to be the expense of poor people pushing them out of their homes. So it's more, it's not an either or, 
you know, we have to be concerned with both issues and they can be dealt with in some parts uh, simply by good urban planning. And it's inevitable that these developments are going to happen. I mean, that's, you know, industries change, businesses change, property changes, neighborhoods used to be one thing and now there's something else. That's happened ever since two or more people lived on this earth. So that's not new, but I think we can, knowing that that's coming, we can uh, make it and, and make it easier for people that are being displaced, uh, make it easier for them to find affordable housing close by or someplace else or subsidize um, their rents, for example. So it doesn't have to be unaffordable for these people. You can help them out. And we have to be willing to do that. If the whole city's going to benefit, then everyone's got to pitch in. So that, uh, you know what we'll do what I think uh, the Friday, and we probably should tip our hats to Gene Beaupre anyway. But Friday, you and your wife are coming in for a, a yeah. uh, funeral service that my wife and I, the four of us, yeah. are going to go to. And then I'm going to take you and Mickey out, Bonnie and I will, for a meal, and I'm going to pay for it. Now it might be a less expensive uh, restaurant <laughs> than what you're accustomed to, yeah. because I'm a retired educator. I've been to I've been to the chili yeah, place. That might be as good as it gets. Is that guy with the hot dog stand still on That's, the corner? We'll That's we'll find out. On? But by the way, thank you, Gene. Thanks for picking up. Let's the say tab. this, uh, and I will. Well, seriously, we'll do a drive around that stadium because we'll go down probably to over the Rhine. Because yeah. these two neighborhoods that I'm referencing, only Cincinnati people would know, are two neighborhoods. And that's why they wanted to put the uh, pitch there, because it would be adjacent to this other emerging neighborhood. But anyway, by the way, Dr. Gene Beaupre was a key staffer with Jerry Springer when he was first a city councilman and probably all the way up to your mayor act uh, time. And he sadly passed away a few days ago. Uh, he was very significant at Xavier University, starting an experiential learning program that prepares kids That's to go totally into great. politics. So we wanted to uh, mention our sadness for Gene's family uh, that yep. that happened. But we will uh, go to that service and uh, and we'll go out afterwards. And uh, it's going to be a blast. And I'm going to withdraw some money from my wife's savings in order to do it. So... To buy me a hot dog. Jerry, a hot dog. What a guy. What a guy. Uh, Megan, are you a soccer fan? Are you planning to go to any of the Epson Cincinnati games? I mean, I'll go down to check it out. I, I like soccer. I really do. Um, it's, it, it's, I'm so far removed from it, though. I feel like it's been years since, you know, I played in yeah. middle school. And we've, like, had friends that played in high school and watched that. But I'm, so I'm super removed. I don't follow anybody. But, yeah, I mean, I want to go check out FC for sure. It looks it looks great. It looks like it's a ton yeah. of fun. And, and it is, uh, Dylan, it, it is happening as you, well, you see it. It's happening in America. I will tell you this just in closing. My son watched, he, he and I went to the game. He had the tickets. He says that what we're seeing is really not at the level of what you would see, uh, you know, what Manchester United, that's an example of a major team in England. Oh my God. You know, whether it's any of them, Irish teams, Italian teams, English teams, we're still, it's not the same, not yet the same level, but it's, boy, it's still fun. 
we look like like the middle school team compared to like a Manchester United crowd. And, and when the World oh Cup happened gosh. in the U.S., it was definitely an experience for us watching the the different use of language and the the sounds in the stadium and how they took casualties off stage. It was uh, it was like watching theater, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. All right, Jerry. Uh, we look forward to your thought of the week. Uh, what caught your interest this week? Well, some good news. Uh, Trump will never be president again. Uh, he either won't run for varying reasons, his health, the never-ending civil and criminal trials that will engage him, his ever-declining poll numbers, and his continuing disappearance from social media and the national stage. Other than his legal issues, he's yesterday's news. Or, of course, if he does run, He'll so divide the Republican Party in the primaries that even if he does win the nomination, he'll get trounced in the general. I mean, think about it. He got wiped out last year when he had the whole power of the presidency behind him and the party wasn't divided. So how is he going to win next time when the party is divided, when a majority of the country can't stand him or thinks he's a buffoon? Nevertheless, having said that, admitting that he's history an embarrassing blip in our nation's narrative, that doesn't mean that the poison he unleashed on our body politic is gone. The hate, the dishonesty, the assault on democracy, truth, and our institutions that he let loose is now running rampant, given oxygen by a morally bankrupt Republican Party. Just consider this. The Public Religion Research Institute, in its latest poll, and there have been others, found that 25% of all self-identified Republicans now believe QAnon mythology, the same organization that Trump would retweet, that our country is controlled by a government and media of Satan-worshipping pedophiles. But 25%, I know that sounds like crazy talk, but 25% of Republicans make up tens of millions of people. And what's worse, these 25% also believe that those who love America may have to resort to violence to save our country. We saw the tip of the iceberg, of course, on January 6th, when they stormed the Capitol. This was not just a bunch of crazies. In fact, the number of people who actually believe in their cause is larger than the number of white evangelicals in America. Indeed, 61% of all Republicans still believe the election was stolen. The continuing myth that motivates the insurrection, 61%. And I say continuing because even with Trump gone, wannabe leaders keep popping up, encouraging their masses to stand by and stay armed. Former convicted Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn who Trump then pardoned, speaking at a conference this past Sunday, said that we should have a military coup here in America. And I'm quoting him directly. It should happen. Republican Congressman Matt Gates and fellow loony Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene held a rally in Georgia last week. Gates saying, and I'm quoting here, the Second Amendment is not about hunting. 
It's about the ability to maintain an armed rebellion against the government if that becomes necessary. Well, why in the world would you bring that subject up in front of a crowd already hyped up if not to incite or threaten people? And if that isn't pouring enough fuel on the fire, Marjorie Taylor Greene, after stating that telling people to wear masks is akin to telling Jews to wear gold stars during the Holocaust, then goes on declaring that Democrats are now the new Nazis. Wow. Look, Trump is gone, but this is what he unleashed. And the Republican Party, 61% of whom still believe in this myth that the election was stolen, the myth which drives the continuing insurrection, this same Republican Party now rallies behind Mitch McConnell to block the creation of a nonpartisan commission to examine the events of January 6th. What caused it? Who's behind it? Why it's continuing? And how can it be stopped? Unless and until the Republican Party unequivocally rejects the big lie and joins in the effort to bring just to bring to justice all those responsible for this assault upon America and our democracy, the insurrection will not end, nor will the violence it promises. How many more warnings do we need? I'm sorry to say this, or maybe I'm not, but if one votes Republican, it does so at his or hers own peril. Wow. Thank you, Jerry. Here, Jerry. Yeah. All right. I should tell you that I'm a Democrat. <laughs> we wonder. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, we welcome oh. Dylan Welch back into our studio-ish here, our virtual studio. How are you, Dylan? How are you doing, guys? Hey, Good. Good. So last Good time we had that haunting video um, with a message from 2016 um, that lingers rather true today, for better or for worse, right? Um, so tell us about your song, Lady Lee, that you have brought this evening. Well, uh I guess it started with my now wife at the time lost her father quite uh, suddenly and her way of dealing with it was going to hike the Appalachian Trail for several months at a time and I was fairly recent to the US so it was a big deal for me too and her middle name is Lee so it's pretty much uh, me trying to understand that experience true song. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Gene knows a lot about that. So um, this is Lady Lee. And Dylan, where can we check you out? Uh, DylanWalsh.com. And this video was recorded at my house here in Nashville. Uh, when at uh, one of those points during the pandemic, when I felt like things were going to open again, but then they didn't. So we kind of had a few friends around to the house and we made this video, but then we went back into lockdown again. <laughs> And then we went back inside. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Lady Lee by Dylan Walsh. Call me old-fashioned, but 
That was, again, Dylan Walsh uh, with Lady Lee. And you can check him out anywhere you find Spotify, Apple Music, correct, Dylan? Yep. Yeah, all the usual places. All the usual places. So make sure you check him out while you're doing so. Check out our social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, We are all over the place. Twitter, so you can check us out, Jerry Springer Podcast. Leave us some five-star reviews. We need them badly if you'd like to hear us more. So uh, just head on over. Let us know what you think. Maybe Gene will read your stuff online. And or, and we're going to have uh, Dylan take us out this evening with Jerry Springer to Good Night, Irene. Dylan Walsh. Last Saturday night, we got married. Me and my wife, we settled down. Now that we have parted, I'm gonna take another look around town. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. 
check out our website at jerryspringer.com. In the country, and sometimes I live in town. Sometimes I take a great notion to jump in the river and drown.